Good morning, image bearers. Let's try it again. Good morning, image bearers. Um, I have the opportunity of, of bringing the, the word again to you, and I'm always honored to do so um, because on a, on a personal level, it, it's, for me, it's grace. And I pray that this morning, and I mean this with all sincerity, that, that the Lord would just speak to us today that all of our hearts would be turned towards Him. A couple of things I want to say before I get into the, the passage of Scripture is last week I, I talked about um, mic drops and I made a mistake because I didn't clarify what a mic drop was. <laughs> I assumed that everybody knew what a mic drop was and there were probably some that went, what's he talking about? A mic drop is, a, is an American cultural thing when a speaker's up front with the microphone and then just says something that wants to get people thinking provocative and then walks off the stage and drops the mic. And it leaves people going, what just happened? Wait, what did he? And I will tell you this right now. You search the scriptures, the gospels, and you read the words of Jesus and you will find that everything about him is a mic drop. Folks, the infinite personal God. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, became one of us. That's the incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us. That's a mic drop. Why would the infinite personal God even care? About us, our lives, our journey. Because he does. Because that's who he is. I stand in front of the image bearers. If you're all of us, whether you know Jesus Christ or not, we are all image bearers of the creator. I don't care what the world says about evolution. You're not pun scum. You are made in the image and likeness of the creator. Let that sink in. I don't know what all of that means. Being made in the image and likeness. I don't understand it all. And again, I love quoting this quote. I'm not young enough to know everything. But I'm in awe at some of the statements of Scripture. Made in the image of likeness. I don't understand it all. But I believe it to be true. And therefore, if it's made in the image and likeness of God, boy, people must be really, really important. Because I know God is important. When you look at your neighbor sitting there and you meet people on the street or coffee shops or when you look in the mirror, you're looking at a creature made in the image and likeness of the creator.
If you're in Christ and you know Jesus and you have bent your knee and asked him to be Lord and Savior, you are a royal priesthood. I stand in front of royalty. We Americans don't understand pomp and circumstances of royalty. Oh, we will. Why do you think Jesus is called King of Kings? And Lord of? There must be other lords and kings because he is the king of what? And if you're in Christ and we're given those golden crowns, I think we're all going to enjoy taking them off and throwing them at the feet of our Lord, King of Kings. You see, we've got to understand this. Because we live in an era of time in which so many lives have been told that the people that believe them believe they're sophisticated when really they're being very foolish in their hearts. But we are also fallen creatures. There's both the nobility of human beings, but there's also we fell. And one more thing before I start. Every person that you meet is either headed toward eternal glory or eternal damnation. And here's why. We must be forgiven for our sins, absolutely. But God wants to change us. To make us into creatures of love that we're prepared for his kingdom. God is not going to allow sin in his kingdom. And we don't want that. And the message is, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. This is the greatest story ever given, ever told. So if you have your Bibles and in front of you, there are Bibles that you can have for free. Please take one. Um, if we're going to turn to Matthew 25, verse 37 through 40. And we're going to start there. And I go back to a scripture I said yesterday. I mean, last week. Sorry, I'm used to the classroom. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, feed you or thirsty or give you a drink? When did we see you as a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick in prison and come to you? And the king will answer them, assuredly I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Nothing is hidden from God. I am going to teach on something that has a truth from Scripture that has healed my heart in one area. And believe me, there's a lot of areas where my heart needed to be healed and still. But it, this truth is transforming me. And I pray it will do the same thing. Do you understand that... When we serve image bearers out of love, we're doing it unto Jesus. Nothing is hidden. 
And we've got to understand, there are no small things. Notice these things aren't like, oh, I rescued the nation from impending invasion and peril. No, I gave a cup of water and the king thinks that's pretty important. Do you understand every day you can wake up as a believer and say, Lord, what good deeds do, I ha- do you have for me today? What divine appointments have you given me today? For I am your hands and your feet. I'm an ambassador reporting for duty. There are people, image bearers, that you come in contact with. Nothing is what? Hidden. He knows. And the king will say, you did it unto me. You served me. That's a very important point. You did it unto who? You served each other, but ultimately, who's it for? Jesus. A whole life where you wake up and go, I want to serve him. It'll transform. It'll transform us to serve him, your majesty. I'm going to love my wife because I'm serving the Lord. And I love you so much. I love your image bearers. Tomorrow morning is Monday. And last week I said when we often complain, we betray that we really want a perfect existence that we were made for. And when those image bearers come into my room, I'm going to look at them and I want to be reminded They are image bearers coming through your room. Love them. First Corinthians chapter three, verses three through nine contains the the truth that the Lord is using to heal my heart. It starts off, for you are still carnal. And by the way, Pastor, Pastor David said it before communion. Are we all clear that the Corinthian church had problems? Okay, I mean. <laughs> Isn't it so awesome that God is using miry, broken vessels of clay to display his glory? For you are still carnal, for where there is envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am a Paul, and another says, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul? Who then is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Paul speaking, and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Would you all repeat, God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labors. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. 
We will be happier creatures when we allow God to have his jurisdiction and we don't operate in his jurisdiction. By jurisdiction, that means you stay in your own lane. And I will tell you this right now. We serve and we serve and we love. We are not responsible for the outcomes. They are his. And if great things are done, who gets the praise? You are not responsible if someone responds to your acts of kindness in the Lord. Do not walk away and say, I have failed. What's the point? You are responsible not for the results. You are responsible to be good and faithful. It's the act of service, not the results that the Lord accepts. We live in a culture that's all about human doings and not human beings. We, we, are, we are so filled with it. We look at success and say, oh yeah, that's successful, that's not. I don't think God looks at it the same way. I think he looks at the intent of the heart. You are God's ministers. You're not responsible for the results. Be free of that and just love God and love people. Well, they didn't recognize me. It doesn't matter. He sees it. Hallelujah. All you're responsible to do is to be good and what? Faithful. When Jesus said, when he comes in his servants, you want the creator to say, well done, good and what? Faithful. He never said results. He said, be good. Confess and repent and grow and be what? Faithful with what God has given you. Because here's the thing. Everything we possess, everything our ability to think, our ability to speak, our ability to taste, our ability to do whatever has been given to us every good and perfect gift from the Father of lights. All we're asked to do is be good and what? Don't put your mind on the results. Just be good and faithful and let the Lord take care of the rest. And I have a news for that. If we do that and we love Jesus and we just keep on loving Jesus and keep on doing what God has given us to do. They'll know we are his followers because we have love for one another. I am so glad I'm not responsible for the results. Do you know I've lived most of my life doing ministry in the church, thinking and looking at sometimes the results and being dismayed and disillusioned because things didn't happen? I mean, think about it. You preach a sermon, you prepare. What do you want? A great move of God. And yet you don't always see it. But here's the thing, not my jurisdiction. I am called to be good and what? And if I am good and faithful, my Lord will reward me. I need nothing else. I love the movie The Patriot. Stay the course. Anybody who's seen it knows what I mean. 
stay the course. You see, you see, folks, look, we love Jesus. Why do we love him? Because he saved us and forgave us, died on the cross, had his beard pulled out, all of that. And he's changing and transforming us by his spirit. We're being turned into creatures of love that will, our destiny is no more pain, no more bitterness, no more envy, no more strife, no more loneliness. It's going to be in existence when we look back, we say, wow. I'm 52 years young. Huh? I'll live forever. And it's not because of things I've done. It's because of him. Every day. What can I do, Lord? What have you given me to do? When I was in my 20s, I read a book called The Puritans. It was Christian fiction by Jack Cavanaugh. And in that book, the lead character, or the first lead character was named Matthews. And he was the cobbler of Edinburgh in England. It was, it was the, well, it was called The Puritans. And uh, he, uh, he would wake up every morning, a simple, a simple man, a cobbler in charge of the village and all of that. And he would say, Lord, what do you have for me to do today? What does the Lord have for you today? Ephesians 2.10 says, You are God's workmanship, his poem created in Christ Jesus for good works that God has prepared beforehand. Before the foundations of the world, your name was on his mind and the good works were prepared. Be good and what? Faithful. You want an A? I always love when students say, is this going to be on the test? <laughs> or you get those, what do I have to do to get an A? Ready? The rubric for the Lord's exam is what? Be good and what? Now, listen, we're not going to do everything perfectly. So part of being good is confessing our sins and repentance, isn't it? A good man knows how to repent. An evil man doesn't see the need for it. In fact, the closer you grow to goodness, the more you understand evil. An evil man doesn't. And I think those of you who have been walking with the Lord a long time, I think there are sometimes things go through your heart and your mind and go, that's just wicked. And I bet you if you went back in time, you wouldn't even have noticed it before you became a believer. Because that's a mark that God is changing you. You see. But there is a warning. And it comes from Revelation chapter 2. In which the Lord gave to his church. And, and, and listen, there are the letters of Paul. There's all scripture. But you have the Pauline epistle letters. You have the Johannine. Oh, right, I'm not going to get fancy. You have the letters of John. You have the letters of Peter. You've got Jude. But there are seven letters from our Lord to seven churches. Chapter 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation. Read them. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these are 
things, says he who holds the seven stars in his hands, in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your perseverance, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not. And have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience. And have labored for my namesake. And have not become weary. Paul spent three years in Ephesus and he warned the church, be careful of false teachers and ravenous wolves that will come. And the Ephesian elders took it to heart because they watched doctrine. And by the way, that's a warning for all of us. Listen very carefully. You have the scriptures. You make sure that whatever's ever said from this pulpit, from anybody, myself, Pastor David, Dr. David, anybody is the word of God. And by golly, if we don't, then you hold us accountable. Because for our own soul's sake... The, the Ephesians church were actually doing good. If you look down, yeah, check, working hard. Yeah, prayer ministry, good, good. Greeters, uh-huh, watching false doctrine, good. They were doing good. From all intents and purposes, from a human doing standpoint, they were doing. But Jesus said this, nevertheless, I have this against you. Remember, therefore... For my sake, sake, and you have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have gifts against you. You have left your first love. Repent. Folks, every morning you give up. You get up. Pray to the Lord and remember your first love. You come to church. You read your Bible. You breathe because you love the Lord your God with all your heart. And he loves you. Don't ever get lost in the doing and forget the one you're serving. Now let's... Get a little practical. What sort of things can we do to serve the Lord? Well, being here and enthusiastic. And there are sometimes we come in like, I don't, I don't feel very good or I'm struggling with something. Passion and enthusiasm doesn't always look like passion and enthusiasm. Do you guys understand that? I get that a lot. You're so passionate. And so is the teacher next to me. They're just not shouting. <laughs> but they put as much into the lesson as, as they did. Being here, encouraging one another. Smiling. And if you're sad, telling someone, will you pray for me? You're giving the honor for another image bearer to serve their Lord by helping you receive it. None of this pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's pull yourself up. Let the Lord pull you up by loving on you through his children and his spirit. 
I, I mentioned this earlier. I went to the mailbox a lot. I check the mail, not always, but I check it. You know, all I get are bills. And I, you know, hey, you've won this, rip. Or you qualify for this. <laughs> I can't believe you wasted paper on that. How many of us, if we went to the mailbox and saw a letter written from another person in this church encouraged him in the faith, we'd be like, what's this? Mm-hmm. Look, send a text message. Pray for each other. Ask Susan for a directory of the church and go through the names and pray for each person. Well, I don't know them. It doesn't matter. He does. Encourage. And do not think I have nothing to give. You're not done here. They will know you are my followers if you have love for one another, which means you do things for others' well-being, not for your own gain. You don't serve people for something you get. You do it because you love them. And if they don't say thank you, so what? You did it unto the Lord. You say, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, you don't understand. I've screwed up so much. Have you ever read the Bible? Do you have any screw-ups are in there? <laughs> Abraham? <laughs> I'd be careful here because he's probably going to knock on my door in the kingdom. Remember that sermon you... Pre- yeah. Abraham lied to Pharaoh about his wife being his... Saying, she, it's my sister. Abraham was willing to hand over Sarai to Pharaoh because Abraham was afraid of Pharaoh. Man, my wife would hit me if I did that. Amen. You guys, you, you understand how bad that is? Oh yeah, you can have her, take her. She's my sister. I know my wife would hit me if I did that. And I would expect half of you to do it too. Do you see how bad that is? Yet, what did God do with Abram? Changed him to Abraham. And yet in Abraham's life, as he grew, he gave one of the greatest testimonies in all of Scripture when he offered up Isaac and God said, don't because there's only going to be one father who offers their son up for the salvation and that will be God himself. And Abraham became the friend of God. And yet, did he screw up? Hello. Well, well, what about Rahab? She was a prostitute. And yet she's in the line of Jesus Christ's genealogy. Gideon. <laughs> oh, valiant warrior, Gideon. He's in a wine vat threshing grain. You don't thresh grain in a wine vat. You do it on a hill so the wind blows. There's no wind in a wine vat. And if you ever saw I Love Lucy in the little episode where they're chopping the grapes, you know what I mean. I don't know if that was the one where she said I was McGillicuddy, but whatever. 
Oh, valiant warrior. There's Gideon going, who, who are you talking to? Read Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith. Folks, the Bible is full of vessels of clay that God has redeemed and restored and used for his glory. You are no different than them. All of us have great things to do. I tell you a story, one of my favorite. Man was on the beach, you probably heard it. Man was on the beach and there were 10,000 starfish on the beach. Walked out on the beach and started to grab one starfish after another and start back in the water. Somebody came up, you crazy man, what are you doing? You, 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 you can't save them all. And he goes, you're right. But what I'm doing matters to this one. Get on your knees and pray. Lord, by your spirit, what good works do I have to do? Who can I encourage? That person in Starbucks that looks so sad, maybe I'll just smile and buy him a cup of coffee and say, God loves you. Put your faith in Jesus. Maybe it's just you getting up and say, I'm going to be more active in the church. Maybe next Sunday you show up, I'm going to say hi to five more people. Maybe you say, I don't know them, but I'm going to pray for them. Well done, good, and the results are not your jurisdiction. If we can have the hard attitude that wakes up every day and says, your majesty, what are we doing? When I'm at work, I'm not going to gossip about my coworkers because they're made in the image and likeness and I'm not going to do that to someone made in the image and likeness. In fact, I'm going to pray for them. When someone's mean to you, what do you do? You need to have this one. No retribution. Here's a cup of coffee. Why are you so nice to me? Because someone was nice to me. Let me tell you about him. When I was dead in my sins, Christ died for me and you. Do you see it? We live among image bearers. We hold the message from the king. We live at the end of the age when we see so much deception. And yet God has placed us to be lights in this world. He is the light of the world, but he also said you are the light of the world as well. None of you are insignificant. None. All of us, if we're believers in the Lord, do you understand? I'll never forget six years ago, and I've told this story before, 
but we were at a, a church service back at Grass Valley Elementary and somebody stood up and says, this is what I know about scripture. And they spouted something off and it was right then that the Lord began to change and transform my thinking that led to so much healing in my life. And the person that said it didn't get up to preach a sermon. They just spoke from their heart. All of us can live an exciting life of doing the Lord's work. You say, well... I've, I've got some issues with the Lord that I need to take care of. My response to you very quickly in an Irish accent is repent. Change your heart. Change your mind. Ask him to change you. And by the way, I'll tell you something about prayer and the Lord. You ready? I'll never forget. I was at Yellowstone with my daughter. Paige. And we're going around and I, I was actually praying in the campsite. Lord, I... I need to see some more things about you, Jesus. And I, I just said, Holy Spirit, can you begin to just show me more? And if you've known me in like life groups and everything, it was out of that that the whole mic drop understanding came. God answered that. I'm going to go, oh my gosh, Jesus, you really are the smartest person. Uh-huh. I knew it to be true, but now I know it. Wow. I'll tell you something about prayer. You get on your knees. God answers prayer. He either says yes, no, or not to now. But I got news for you. If you're saying, Lord, I'm going to draw near to you. Lord, examine my life. Oh, it will be yes on that one. <laughs> right now. Because he has made it very clear. You draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. You are not insignificant. You are made in the image and likeness of God. The creator of the universe. And God is not just a little bit bigger than the universe. He is infinite, which means the universe compared to God isn't even a dot on a map. And he cares for you. I wonder if you did two things this week for two image bearers. Your royalty, if you're in Christ. Now, if you're not in Christ, you don't know Jesus, you know about Jesus. Is it possible to know about Jesus and not know him? Yes. Could be a lot of people on the day of judgment to say, I went to church, listened to that guy talk in the funny hat. Does that count? No. Today is the day that you can bend your knee and say, Lord, save me. What are you waiting for? I got to do it again. Christmas? Today is the day of salvation. You can be clean from all your sins. And the Lord will know your name intimately. So as I conclude,
God causes the growth. He's responsible. And in the scriptures, Paul uses agriculture as an analogy. You and I can plant a seed in the ground. You and I can water the seed. Do we make it grow? That's a mystery of life. It's God who does that. We're just responsible to do the work. And if we don't see some great results, it doesn't matter. We still do it unto Him. And we don't grow weary because we know He's noticing, He's watching. We do this because of what He's done for us. We are all part of this. Yes, Acts Church, in the grand scheme of things, is a small collection of believers. But the last time I checked, the whole thing started with 120. The Christian life is not just, thank you, Lord, for saving me. It starts there. Thank you, Lord, for transforming me. And let's get down to the business of going fishing. The Great Commission. Go, therefore, in all the world and make disciples. He didn't say it to just a few. He said, you go into all the world and make what? Disciples. All of us. Let's roll up our sleeves and get to work. God has gifted you with talents and gifts. Oh my. Use them. Use them. Man, I, I can think of one. I can, I can, one more story. I want to I lift up someone very close to me. I am related to somebody by marriage. Well, that narrows it down in this church a little bit. She's probably downstairs or she would be laughing right now. But I'm related to somebody by marriage. Her name may or may not be Aaron. <laughs> when she enters the room, she livens it up. God has given her the gift of putting people at ease. Me, I got resting grumpy face. When Aaron is in the room, she helps, the Lord uses her to help create an atmosphere of love and joy. Those who know her, am I right? Yes, it's true. She's not perfect. But I told her this. Do you understand what a gift that is? You, you, you've got to understand, your presence matters. Half of life is just showing up. My wife and others. I serve better when they're there. You're so gifted. The Bible is full of stories. The widow's what? The widow's might. 
I look forward to meeting her. She's famous. The woman who put perfume on Jesus' head right before he was going to go to the cross. And Jesus said this. I read it this morning. Don't you know that she's going to be proclaimed for thousands of years wherever this gospel is preached? And the disciples at the time were saying, that's a waste of money. We should give that to the poor. And Jesus says, no, she's preparing me for my burial. She's serving me. And she is now famous. Do, do you understand? All she did was take her, her possession and just say, Lord, I love you. She didn't even go to college. <laughs> the widow's might. It wasn't even a lot of money. It doesn't matter about the quantity. It's the quality of service. Do not underestimate what the Lord can do through your life. And by the way, why is this so important? Because the Lord loves to give rewards. And man, I'll tell you what, when we're in the kingdom, I want to see it. And then we have the joy of taking those rewards and laying them at his feet. Do not grow weary in serving the Lord. Even if you don't see the results that you would like. You are called to be good and faithful. So let's get on to the business of repenting and confessing sin. Let's get on to the business of being faithful. And by the way, faithfulness is hard. Because sometimes it requires we have to do things when we don't want to do them. Makes sense? All for Jesus. Image bearers. Ambassadors. Royal priesthood. Your majesties. Not the king of kings. No. There's only one of those. But isn't it just like God to take his children, take them from where they were, forgive them, train them, father them, shepherd them, and then glorify them for his glory. Because God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him shall have what? Let's pray.